Hello, and welcome to the Squeaky Clean Energy Podcast, brought to you by the North Carolina Sustainable Energy Association. I'm your host, Matt Abel. Squeaky Clean listeners, welcome to the 52nd episode of the Squeaky Clean Energy Podcast, where we bring you the latest in North Carolina clean energy news, policy, and more every two weeks. We've been on a roll lately with some A-plus guests recently, where we featured the likes of Governor Roy Cooper and David Roberts from Volts. Let's keep that momentum going with another killer episode focused on energy storage. But before we get started, we have a few updates to share with the group. First up, as you may have heard by now, NCSEA recently released the 2021 version of our Economic Impact Analysis of Clean Energy Development in North Carolina report. Every other year, NCSEA partners up with RTI International to conduct an analysis of the total economic impact created in the state from clean energy and energy efficiency project development. We are excited to share that between 2007 and 2020, the total cumulative economic impact from clean energy was $40.3 billion. Researchers also found that in 2020 alone, renewable energy project development amounted to $1.6 billion in total impact. Further, clean energy project development supported over 291,000 annual full-time equivalent jobs from 2007 to 2020. These numbers are staggering and show the true expanse and impact our industry has across the state of North Carolina. To read the full report and find shareable graphics, visit energync.org forward slash RTI 2021. In case you haven't heard, North Carolina clean energy history has been made. As of July 1st, the North Carolina Building Performance Association's name, brand, and members have been fully absorbed by the North Carolina Sustainable Energy Association. We are incredibly proud of this exciting opportunity and have confidence that our combined interests, expertise, and experience will greatly accelerate the transition of North Carolina's clean energy economy. For those that have been longtime members, the NCSEA family just got a little bit bigger. Make sure to welcome your fellow clean energy professionals on the next call or in-person networking event. If you're interested in reading more about the merger and what it means for the direction of NCSEA's activities, make sure to head on over to our blog on our website. And lastly, I'm excited to share details on the next edition of NCSEA's Making Energy Work webinar series. Coming up on July 21st, we'll be focused on the challenges and opportunities of the rooftop solar market throughout the Carolinas. We'll be talking net metering, HOAs, and consumer protection in a conversation hosted by our friend Steve Callen from the North Carolina Clean Energy Technology Center. So if you're interested in hearing more about some of the hottest issues taking place in the industry and are free from 2 to 3 p.m. on July 21st, then this webinar is for you. And oh yeah, it's free. Find out more at makingenergywork.com. And in continuing the theme of energy storage, we're bringing you another action-packed episode focused on cutting-edge energy storage technologies. Last episode, David Roberts dove in and talked about many of the storage technologies hitting the market right now, and what you can expect to see as storage continues its path of exponential growth. Well, today we're going to be diving into one of those technologies in particular that has a unique tie to North Carolina, zinc batteries. As you'll hear today, our friends over at the International Zinc Association called North Carolina Home, with their headquarters being located right here in Durham. So they'll tell us a little bit more about why they decided to say hello to the Bull City 
and the zinc assets that also call North Carolina home. We'll also talk with one of the utilities implementing zinc as part of their growing portfolio of storage assets. So, on that note, let's go ahead and kick off the 52nd episode of the Squeaky Clean Energy Podcast. Clean energy. I have the distinct pleasure of introducing three guests to the Squeaky Clean Energy Podcast today. Our first guest serves as the Executive Director for the International Zinc Association, a nonprofit organization representing the global zinc industry with market development, market access, and communication activities. Prior to this, he served as the Director of Environment, Health, and Sustainability, as well as the Director of the Zinc Nutrient Initiative at the IZA. Before joining IZA, he was an assistant research professor at the University of South Carolina, as well as a National Research Council postdoctoral researcher. Our guest received his PhD from the School of Public Health at the University of South Carolina. Friends of the pod, please welcome Dr. Andrew Green, Executive Director of the International Zinc Association to the pod. It's great to be here, Matt. Our next guest is the manager of the Zinc Battery Initiative, a partnership between the leading zinc battery producers in the International Zinc Association. When not focused on batteries, our guest is also active in metals recycling and serves as director of a metals trading company called Vendel Resources. Please welcome our second guest on the pod, Morgan Frederick. Morgan, welcome to the pod. Thank you for having us. And last but certainly not least, our third guest on today's episode has been with Duke Energy in customer-facing and regulated business development roles for nearly 30 years, with experience that includes design, construction, and operations of energy storage, solar, inverters, microgrids, and protection and control systems within Duke's Emerging Technology Office. Our guest is a member of IEEE, the NFPA, and serves as an advisor to the EPRI P94 program on energy storage and the EPRI Energy Storage Integration Council. Friends of the pod, please welcome Tom Fenimore, Technology Development Manager for Duke Energy. Tom, welcome to the pod. Thanks, Matt. Great opportunity to be here. Well, fantastic. It's great to have have you all join us uh, this afternoon to talk about storage and specifically zinc batteries. Um, so to start things off, Andrew, can you tell us uh, a little bit more about the International Zinc Association and your work with batteries and also how you landed in Durham, North Carolina as your headquarters? Be happy to. We, uh, we appreciate any chance we get to talk about zinc, so look forward to the discussion. Uh, the International Zinc Association is a, is a nonprofit trade organization that works on behalf of the global zinc industry to sustainably grow markets and maintain the industry's license to operate through our various program activities. And these could be with market development, sustainability, environment, communications, what have you. Um, to answer your question on the location, it's, it's funny you ask that because we get asked that a lot, actually. Uh, we have offices as an international group in places like Belgium, China, India, and so forth. But we um, developed the office here about 30 years ago in Durham. Uh, moved down to New York City at the time, and it was really a combination of factors, including uh, quality of life, uh, the access to an international airport with uh, great um, spots uh, connecting around the world, but also connecting it with the uh, Research Triangle Park uh, area and the focus there for research and technology. So it's been a great fit for us coming to North Carolina. 
And then on the battery side, uh, to get into that, that aspect of it, we, we've been following the, the battery market for a number of years. Uh, but in the last number of years, we've seen a dramatic evolution in the technology. And this has resulted in some very clear market opportunities from our standpoint, especially with the increasing focus uh, on the need for a green economy and sustainable energy production and storage. And so discussing it uh, internally, as well as with our members, uh, we launched the Zinc Battery Initiative in, in 2020, and this was done to help raise the awareness and promote the use of zinc batteries in these emerging markets. Uh, and that's based on the many advantages uh, that hopefully we'll be able to talk about uh, here on the, on the podcast today. Uh, so it was just a, a great opportunity for us to help promote this um, area and, and uh, increase the awareness of the downstream users of the stakeholders of the public about uh, how great uh, zinc batteries fit into this emerging area. And I'd just like to comment as well, if I can, on the, the market itself. Uh, you know, it's the potential growth of the zinc battery market is significant. And if you look at things like Bloomberg's uh, forecast for the, um, the stationary energy growth market growing forward, they're, they're estimating that it's going to go up to about 155 uh, gigawatt hours per year by the year 2030, so in less than 10 years. And this is almost seven times greater than where that, uh, that market is currently. So tremendous growth that's seen uh, by a group like Bloomberg. And then when you hear people like Larry Fink, the CEO of the world's largest asset manager, BlackRock, talking about the need for developing better and cheaper batteries for energy storage, you get excited when you recognize that zinc batteries represent exactly what he's talking about. So it's truly a, a disruptive technology uh, to the market that lithium has now. And, and we're very excited for where this can go in the future. Yeah. And, and I was really, really excited. Um, you know, when we were, we were first talking uh, ahead of this podcast to hear about North Carolina being the home of, of the international zinc association, um, and similar to, to what you had mentioned earlier in, in terms of quality of life, being able to um, connect you know, throughout the world with our international airport and being connected to a lot of our research institutions here. Uh, in my previous role working in economic development, that, that was a common thread that we heard amongst many companies in, uh, in clean energy. So uh, excited to hear that those are some of the reasons that brought you to the triangle as well. Um, so specifically, when we're, we're thinking about North Carolina and and zinc itself, um, I'm curious what zinc assets we we have here in the state. Yeah, great question. Uh, the state of North Carolina actually plays a key role in the supply chain, uh, both in terms of the United States and globally, and that occurred with the development of the American Zinc Recycling uh, Plant in Mooresboro, North Carolina. Uh, this is an operation that produces uh, special high-grade zinc, or, or uh, te technically it's 99.995% zinc, so very pure zinc. And this is the global standard for the use of zinc around the world. So this operation uh, in North Carolina produces this special high-grade zinc entirely from recycled steel mill using uh, state-of-the-art technology. Uh, so it, it's expected that full capacity to produce around 155,000 uh, metric tons of zinc. And if you take into account the uh, current value of zinc uh, today uh, with that 155,000 tons that's expected uh, for production, that's uh, 
creating a value of around $465 million annually. So it's a big impact in terms of the economy for, for North Carolina. Plus the, the company employs around 700 uh, people with a portion of those being based here in North Carolina. So it has uh, multiple impacts for the, the state of North Carolina. Absolutely. And, and so, as you'd mentioned, Zinc has, has numerous applications and plays a role in a variety of different industries. Uh, however, we're here today to talk specifically about storage. Um, so what makes Zinc a good option when it comes to storage and, and grid applications? And I'll start with Morgan on this question. Yeah, well, thank you, Matt. And I think the first point I would make about um, this is that Zinc batteries are really flexible in their application. And that makes them versatile enough to have a host of benefits uh, that apply to the grid. Um, so these batteries have quick responsiveness, they have great depth of discharge, they have the ability to scale. Uh, they're also cheaper than lithium batteries in most area, and they have a clear path uh, to being recycled. There are certain batteries like the zinc ion that's being produced by Salient Energy and Enerpoly out of Sweden um, that are designed for optimum daily cycling, while there's other zinc technologies like flow batteries um, that are emerging as the clear leaders in the mid to long duration storage where they can discharge over something like 10 to 12 hours or even sometimes multiple days. Um, as you know, ener long duration energy storage is still an emerging space, but it's about to become really huge. Uh, just as importantly, I would note that zinc is as safe as batteries can be. It has none of the overheating issues that you have with lithium batteries, uh, which of course is foremost important to the people that are working around these. Uh, but it also means that grid operators can achieve lower operational and maintenance costs since they don't have to install any special HVAC or fire suppression systems. Um, and maybe one final point on this is that zinc batteries have long lives. They're usually around 20 years with minimal degradation. Uh, so that can mean a lot for uh, operators in terms of the total life operating costs. And if I can, Matt, I just want to add uh, one thing to what Morgan was saying and, and mention that uh, zinc is also a clean and abundant mineral. Um, it's used in a variety of uh, everyday uh, products like sunscreen and vitamins. Uh, on the sustainability side, uh, it's got recyclability, it's essential, it's durable, it adds to the lifetime of things like steel uh, through the protection of the steel from corrosion. So it's got a great story to tell in terms of sustainability, but added to that on the essentiality side, I would just mention just in case your listener is not aware, uh, you know, zinc is absolutely essential for all life forms on the planet, whether you're a human, plant, animal. Um, and groups like the UN have uh, recognized uh, zinc as a life-saving commodity. We've launched a, a program with UNICEF called Zinc Saves Kids, and uh, it, it just highlights how important zinc is for life. If you're deficient in zinc, you're more prone to disease and death and things like that. So. It's, uh, it's a great story to tell, not just uh, in terms of uh, all the other aspects that Morgan was mentioning for the batteries, but just in terms of it being a, um, a solid contributor to society in terms of sustainability. Absolutely. And, and Morgan mentioned a little bit earlier, uh, in terms of zinc storage, uh, there, there are flexible chemistries that can meet many grid needs. So in what types of applications do zinc batteries thrive? Well, obviously the grid applications and the renewables integration is a big one. Um, but the big, there are, these batteries are also well suited to urban environments, anywhere indoors because they're safer than the other technologies. Uh, this is something we're seeing more in places like New York City where they have great clean energy targets. 
where they can back up buildings for a couple of days at a time in the case of a power outage. Off-grids and microgrids are, of course, great fits. Uh, this is another area where these batteries can have some really good environmental impacts. E-Zinc is a company that has a flow battery that decouples power from energy, and that makes it really cheap in that multi-day storage range. Um, and that's crucial for things like getting rid of the diesel generators there. Nickel-Zinc is another really fast-growing technology as, one of, as well as one of the most advanced in this space. It's being used as backup power in a lot of data centers and in defense applications. For instance, the Navy is testing a battery with Acer Technologies, uh, which they say is the front runner to power their next generation of uh, high performance submarines. So this is really a high power battery. It achieves a balance of performance and safety that you need in some of these sensitive and you could say mission critical applications. Like for instance, where you're gonna put a battery in a tin can under the sea and you can't risk having it catch on fire. So since we're talking about grid applications, let's talk to the person overseeing battery deployment within Duke Energy Territory, Tom Fenimore. Uh, zinc as a battery chemistry is, is not just a technology of the future. Uh, it's already been deployed in grid applications. Um, and so we have you on the pod uh, to talk about some of those projects. Um, so before we dive into a, a zinc project specifically, can you tell us how zinc popped up on your radar as an option to consider for a storage project and what made you decide that zinc was a good option for this project? Yeah, thank, thanks, Matt. So yes, Duke Energy's been actually exploring uh, energy storage technologies um, in, through our emerging technology office since 2010. Um, our initial deployment was uh, lithium iron phosphate and then followed by a number of other lithium type chemistries. Um, as we gained more knowledge about the operation of, of lithium uh, based systems in, in about 2017, we saw that the lithium ion market was maturing and exploring and continuing to put money into research and development around uh, lithium technologies really wasn't going to give us much return on the backside. Uh, so we really saw an opportunity to explore what we call non-lithium technologies. Um, so basically the whole gamut, which includes zinc-based technologies. Uh, we were given an opportunity to partner with EOS on a, uh, an early production model, uh, Generation 2 pilot that has been deployed uh, at our McAlpine Creek substation now for about two years. Yeah, so, so you mentioned that project specifically. Um, is, is this a pilot project and what sort of results are, are you seeing after its deployment? Yeah, so the, so the EOS technology is a you know, zinc bromine uh, based technology, um, a hybrid that they've developed that uh, um, takes advantage of the characteristics of, of, of the zinc based chemistry. And uh, you know, obviously this is quite different from the lithium based uh, products that are out there. And, and we wanted to gain firsthand experience with that. So uh, the project was developed as a pilot. Uh, it was submitted through our formal internal process to be funded uh, with North Carolina Renewable Portfolio Standard dollars. So as part of the project, um, we have reporting that we're required to do to uh, send that information uh, regarding the test results. Uh, and we have a formal test plan that was developed with EOS to test the various use cases of the uh, energy storage technology that was deployed. And um, as I said, we're required to report out on those test results uh, not only internally, but also uh, because the, the project was funded with ratepayer dollars, um, that information has been you know, transmitted on a yearly basis up to the North Carolina Utilities Commission. 
So what what applications seem to be best suited for zinc storage within Duke's portfolio of assets? So uh, yeah, zinc storage uh, we look at as basically a tool in the toolbox. You know, a lot of people want to look at their energy storage technology or chemistry as kind of the be all and the end all. And you know, lithium has the lion's share of the market in terms of deployed systems and and number of you know instances that have been deployed out there. And you know that the, the lithium ion based systems that we've deployed have been you know very good performers. However, um, you know, there are applications that the uh, zinc-based chemistries, and in particular the EOS zenith chemistry, seems to be well-suited for. Um, the, the first one that, you know, we, we explored with them is the uh, concept of clipped solar storage so that we capture the clipped energy that comes off the solar field at the McAlpine site and store it in the battery and then release that energy in the evening to offset the duck curve. You know, the duck curve is not just a California phenomena anymore. You know, <laughs> states that have a lot of solar are really seeing the impacts of, of, of a duck curve. And it may be shaped differently than what we see in California, but, you know, the, the impacts are the same. So uh, the initial use case was, was clipped solar storage. And then um, just recently, um, you know, we, we went on to do energy time shifting, which essentially is to take grid charged battery energy and then discharge that at times of need. So essentially peak demand or you know, other use cases like that that could take advantage of that. And then lastly, um, the testing that we've done just uh, earlier this year in first quarter was uh, frequency response, you know, ancillary services, fast cycling type, um, uh, uh, you know, battery uh, signaling to the battery to exercise the battery and see how it would respond in, you know, a market like PJM or ERCOT or something like that that has an ancillary services type signal. And we were extremely pleased with the uh, with the way that the battery uh, acted in that market. That was that wasn't something that we expected, uh, but the performance of it was very robust. So, so given the the initial sort of success that you've seen with various applications of these zinc storage batteries, um, is Duke exploring the potential to deploy more of these type of projects in the future? So the the short answer to that is yes. Uh, we will do our due diligence uh, on this. We are engaged with EOS and giving them feedback on, you know, the pluses and the minuses we see regarding the technology. We're working with them on developing business cases, um, you know, to, to that uh, uh, favor, you know, the characteristics of the technology. And, um, you know, we have uh, potentially another pilot project that's a, a little bigger scale uh, that will be you know, based upon their generation three technology uh, integrated, you know, at a site within Duke Energy and then uh, potentially larger scale, you know, multi megawatt scale projects that are kind of on the two or three year horizon, where once again, the characteristics of the battery chemistry, you know, suit the application. And that's primarily around renewables integration, you know, as we start to deploy more and more solar. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And so aside from aside from this zinc storage project, are there other storage projects Duke has deployed here in the Carolinas? Um, and and just in general, um, I, I know you had mentioned it a little bit earlier. Are there other battery chemistries um, you're exploring as well? So um, the answer is yes. We have a very active uh, uh, group called Emerging Technology within Duke Energy. Um, whose basically charter is to, you know, explore, whose part of their charter is to explore these 
different energy storage technologies and how they could potentially impact the company in a positive or negative fashion going forward. So uh, being Duke Energy, we're afforded uh, the opportunity to work with a lot of vendors in early stage prototyping, early stage development projects that uh, we kind of get a first glance, um, you know, that other vendors or other uh, utilities might not get simply due to our size and the fact that we do have a fully engaged emerging technology office that's staffed to do this kind of work. So, you know, from that standpoint, we're used to working with early stage technologies and we're not afraid to work with prototypes. We're not afraid to do kind of a joint development, as I like to call it um, in my vernacular, is basically dragging the vendor across the finish line. Okay, because we get a lot of technologies that are about 90 percent developed, you know, that we get an opportunity to work with. And EOS is a perfect example of that. You know, we've given them positive feedback and negative feedback regarding the battery technology, and they've taken that to heart and, you know, and actually developed some things around that. So in addition to to the zinc, um, you know, we've worked with lithium titanate uh, in some ancillary services applications that were, you know, kind of um, in a joint venture with, with Toshiba uh, with that battery technology. Um, we've got some lithium iron phosphate uh, products that were deployed and, and utilized for community uh, energy storage or microgrid uh, applications in South, South Charlotte uh, back in the 2014-2015 timeframe. And uh, we've got a number of uh, lithium ion NMC uh, based chemistries that have been deployed in the Carolinas in various applications, everything from uh, you know, basically distribution-based uh, uh, microgrid support for part of a feeder uh, on through, uh, you know, basically substation refer uh, deferral projects where we don't have to build out a substation and we're using the battery not only to support those days of the year to where the substation's overloaded, but we're dispatching that battery from a signal generated within Duke Energy that allows that battery to provide voltage and frequency support on the grid, as much like our generation assets do. So um, we're very, very active in this area. And as energy storage continues to increase in importance, I only see that role increasing. So Morgan, since we just talked to Tom about some of the projects deployed uh, in Duke territory in North Carolina, are you aware of other zinc storage projects that are already deployed or planned for the near future? Yes, absolutely, Matt. Uh, Duke is a great company. We've been really happy to see how well they've done with their installations in North Carolina. But there's a number of other sizable zinc projects that are either already installed or being built, not just in North Carolina, but in a lot of the other states leading the way in clean energy, like California, Texas, Arizona. Uh, there are a number of others outside of the U.S. as well. So, for instance, Zinc 5 was one of the earliest to develop in this area. And they have a lot of batteries in use in different regions. These are mostly backing up data centers, traffic applications, and other areas that require uninterrupted power supply, although they also have applications for grid storage as well. Redflow is another leader in this space uh, with a very cool zinc bromine flow battery, and they have something like 130 active deployments. One of the most recent is a project to power a major bioenergy plant outside of LA that produces natural gas from food waste. And they're providing, I think, two megawatt hours during the peak evening rush, when of course the whole area surrounding LA is using so much energy. Uh, one more great example is Zinc8, who's a publicly listed company from Canada who does zinc air batteries. And they're installing the first zinc air energy storage system in New York right now. 
that'll come online next year in 2022. And it's the first long duration storage project within the state of New York. That's great to hear. And uh, I think it kind of ties into the point that Andrew had mentioned earlier, um, in which he had cited some some statistics from Bloomberg, in which the industry is is exploding right now. And we're only going to continue to see more and more applications and more and more of these projects come online throughout the country um, and and throughout you know North Carolina as well. So that's really exciting to hear about that. So taking that, going back to that sort of 40,000 foot perspective, what do you view as the future for the zinc storage market here domestically and across the globe? All right. Well, look, the energy storage market as a whole is in its early years. And by all accounts, we're going to see impressive growth for the foreseeable future. Um, Andrew gave us some great statistics on that at the beginning of this episode. And we're also confident that zinc batteries are going to see significant gains in market share. Because as more of the companies in this space reach maturity and the technologies become more recognized, they're going to become much more adopted. Lithium is a great story and it deserves praise, but it's also talked about so much that people haven't recognized the shortcomings and problems of lithium or understood that we're also going to need other technologies to meet the clean energy targets that are being set. Um, in particular, we're going to see the requirements for energy storage move more towards mid and long duration storage, even across the next 10 to 20 years which really opens a lot of opportunities where zinc has its biggest advantages. And I would say that beyond the core metrics, there are a number of other factors providing tailwinds for zinc, such as customers being more focused on things like sustainability, safety, recyclability of batteries, and fully domestic supply chains. Um, So with all of that in mind, I, I hope I've been able to convince somebody today that this is definitely one of the most promising and exciting areas in this space going forward. I couldn't agree more. This is definitely an exciting area to follow within the realm of energy storage. We'll rely on your team at the IZA to keep us up to date on the latest with zinc storage. On that note, I wanted to thank the three of you for joining us today on this episode of the Squeaky Clean Energy Podcast. It was a real pleasure. Absolutely, Matt. Thanks. And and again, appreciate the opportunity to talk with you and the listeners about this uh, key area. Thank you, Matt. Appreciate it. Matt, it's been my pleasure. I really enjoyed it. Thank you. My key takeaway from today's episode is the fact that zinc is ready for the prime time and already proving itself as a robust option for grid scale storage. As you heard from Andrew and Morgan, zinc benefits from a number of advantages, including lower cost of raw materials and more secure supply chains throughout the globe. Furthermore, we also heard Tom comment on zinc's success as a pairing for solar, along with its ability to provide ancillary services to the grid as part of a project they already have in operation. It will be interesting to continue following the development and deployment of zinc storage options throughout the North American market, especially with its ties back to North Carolina, being the home of the International Zinc Association and the only facility in the Western Hemisphere producing zinc solely from recycled sources. Make sure to tune in to our next episode as we spotlight another connection to North Carolina within the energy storage supply chain. Every episode, join us as we travel to each corner of the state to tell you the story of clean energy and the value it brings to our local communities. Along the way, you'll also have the chance to learn a little bit more about each of the communities that call these projects home. So on this week's episode of the North Carolina Solar Traveler, we are headed over to Wayne and Lenore counties. And to lead us on that journey is NCSEA's own Energy Program Manager and Duplin County native, Daniel Pate.
Hello, squeaky cleaners, and welcome to yet another edition of the North Carolina Solar Traveler, because Matt Abel hasn't canceled me yet. Don't jinx it, Daniel. Who knows, this may be the last edition of the North Carolina Solar Traveler. As we continue our jaunt through the eastern part of the state, we're going to stop at two counties that lie in the heart of the coastal plains of eastern North Carolina. You may have driven through these counties on your way to a southeastern North Carolina coastal destination, possibly going through towns and cities that include Goldsboro, Kinston, LaGrange, Brogdon, Fremont, and Tickbite. Yes, squeaky cleaners, you guessed correctly. We are in the counties of Wayne and Lenore. There is no shortage of clean energy capacity in these counties. In Lenore County, we are looking at 34 solar systems at over 98 megawatts. And in Wayne County, we are looking at 137 solar systems at over 121 megawatts. But that's not where the clean energy stops. In these counties, you can also find electric vehicle charging stations along with an ice thermal storage system. According to NCSEA's property tax study, these solar farms are responsible for bringing in a total of over 700,000 in local revenue for these counties. That is enough to purchase just over 230,000 jars of Mount Olive sweet gherkins. But more on Mount Olive in a minute. Some fun facts about Wayne and Lenore County. Goldsboro in Wayne County is home to Seymour Johnson Air Force Base. Mount Olive in Wayne County is home to, of course, the Mount Olive Pickle Company, the largest independent pickle company in the U.S. and the top-selling pickle brand in the southeastern U.S. Uh, Kinston, North Carolina is home of the Down East Wood Ducks and also the acclaimed Vivian Howard-owned restaurant, The Chef and the Farmer. Kinston is also home to the famous Mother Earth Brewing and Spirits, one of NCSEA's favorite breweries due to their commitment to clean energy technologies. Mother Earth is the first production brewery in the U.S. to achieve the LEED Gold rating. Mother Earth also hosts six kilowatts of solar on its rooftop, ensuring that its tap room and beer garden is solar-powered 365 days of the year. That is every day of the year for those at home keeping track. That does it for this version of the North Carolina Solar Traveler. Since we mentioned Mother Earth Brewery and their commitment to clean energy, now's a good time to bring your attention to an infographic the North Carolina Sustainable Energy Association put together highlighting all of the breweries across the state that have installed clean energy projects. 
So if you're a fan of beer and looking for some new breweries to support across the state, make sure to check out the link to that resource in today's episode description. And you know the deal. Let's stay in touch on Twitter. Give me a shout at Matt Abel, M-A-T-T-A-B-E-L-E for future episode ideas, questions for our next episode, thoughts on today's episode, and your worst energy joke one-liners. And episode 52 of the Squeaky Clean Energy Podcast is in the books. But before you leave, don't forget to rate, subscribe, and share the pod on whatever platform you're listening in from. Sharing this podcast with your network and growing the friends of the pod helps us get just a little bit closer to our shared vision of a clean energy economy for North Carolina. All right, that's it. See you all later.